listening to Hope for Today Church podcast. We're so glad that you're joining in this virtual space. We believe that as you listen, Jesus will minister to you right where you are. So open up your mind and your heart to what the word would say to you today. Thank you for joining us. And remember, Jesus is our hope for today. Good afternoon, everyone in the house. So glad you're here. And those joining by other means also, welcome to Hope for Today. I'm gonna invite you to, to take your seat and continue with that joy as you, uh, as you find your seat. Amen. Um, today's gonna be a, a fun um, interaction as we look to the word. I will also have an opportunity for a testimony to be shared um, this afternoon with one of our uh, directors uh, in the church. Uh, Ron Gregg will be joining us in a, a matter of moments. But first, we're going to look to the word to give us some direction here to inform our souls, to prepare us for that time of uh, testimony. We're going to continue in Acts 13. And what you got to love about the book of Acts, it's chronicling the record of the acts of God through his people who faithfully went out into the world as the Holy Spirit empowered them to do so. And anytime you read the word, here's an extra nugget for you today. Every time you read these accounts, look at it and say, Lord, use me like you used your early followers. I'm available, Lord. And when you're available, he will empower you. He will use you. Amen. And so Acts 13, we're going to continue in this powerful narrative where we witness the unfolding of God's plan through the proclamation of the gospel, this living testimony, this transformative power of the word. And we're going to continue that this afternoon and also next week. And as we looked at this chapter, I want you to remember this walking next step, the call to proclaim at every invitation. Your call is to proclaim at every invitation. There's times and places where the Lord is going to give you opportunity. You will see that opportunity and he will even work in people to extend an invitation to you. And you have to appreciate when an invitation presents itself because you're set up like the, 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 the batter at the plate. You're ready to tee it off for a home run. Half the work has been done. And so here we see in Acts 13, Paul and Barnabas, they've been set apart by the Holy Spirit after a wonderful time of prayer and, and fasting. And they've gone and they began to evangelize the island of Cyprus. And a governor was saved. He believed the word of the Lord. In fact, many people on the island came to know the Lord, to believe him at his word. And it says in verse 13 of Acts 13, Paul and his companions set sail from Phatmos and came to Perga and Pamphylia. But John left them and went back to Jerusalem. They continued their journey from Perga and reached Pisidian Antioch on the Sabbath day. And they went into the synagogue and sat down. After reading of the law and the prophets, the leaders of the synagogue sent word to them saying, Brothers, if you have any word of encouragement for the people, you can speak. And Paul stood up and motioned with his hands and said, fellow Israelites and those who fear God, listen. 
The God of this people, Israel, chose our ancestors, made the people prosper during their stay in the land of Egypt, and led them out of it with a mighty arm. And for about 40 years, he put up with them in the wilderness. And after destroying seven nations in the land of Canaan, he gave them their land as inheritance. And this all took about 450 years. And after this, he gave them judges until Samuel the prophet. Then they asked for a king, and God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, for 40 years. And after removing him, he raised up David as their king and testified about him, I have found David, the son of Jesse, to be a man after my own heart who will carry out my will. And from this man's descendants, as he promised, God brought to Israel the Savior Jesus. And before his coming to public attention, John had previously proclaimed a baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. Now, as John was completing his mission, he said, who do you think I am? I am not the one, but the one is coming after me, and I am not worthy to untie the sandals on his feet. Brothers and sisters, children of Abraham's race and those among you who fear God, it is to us that the word of this salvation has been sent. Since the residents of Jerusalem and the rulers did not recognize him or the sayings of the prophets that are read every Sabbath, they have fulfilled their words by condemning him. Though they found no grounds for the death sentence, they asked Pilate to have him killed. And when they had carried out all that had been written about him, they took him down from the tree and put him in the tomb. But right here, they give us encouragement here today. But God raised him from the dead, and he appeared for many days to those who came up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are now his witnesses to the people. And we ourselves proclaim to you the good news of the promise that was made to our ancestors. God has fulfilled this for us their children, by raising up Jesus. What an incredible proclamation at the invitation Paul stands up and he delivers. By the power of the Spirit, he delivers. And it goes on to show us that the people would revere the Lord. They would come in crowds in verse 45. And they would believe upon the Lord and receive eternal life because of their faith. In fact, it says in verse 49, the whole word of the Lord spread through the whole region. But there were those who were not terribly excited about this expansion. And so two things happen. The opportunity of invitation to share and proclaim and you see people come to faith. But then there are always those who are not ready to have open arms to those who are coming into the family. We need to be ready to welcome people in. I don't know about you, but I am not content with having a small social club of a few members only. We are called to go into the world, go to the nations and proclaim the gospel to all of creation. Every nation, when you think about that word nation, the reason why the writer uses that, that means anyone who is not of Jewish ancestry. Everyone is included. And the word says us very specifically, the Lord has predestined all who have faith in Christ to be brought into the family of God. 
Blessed are the few of the messengers who bring good news. And so here we see Paul enters on the Sabbath. He's given this invitation. In the midst of this invitation, there was the clear opposition that there were those who denied that Jesus himself was the fulfillment of God's promise of salvation. Many thought, well, he's a wonderful teacher. He's a, he's a rabbi, but he's not the one that we're waiting for. There's another. And so Paul, knowing the crowd, knowing who is listening, he goes in and lays out this beautiful picture of the gospel that they're no longer waiting, that the kingdom of heaven is being unleashed right before their eyes. And that's through Jesus Christ. And so he challenges them to see Jesus as more than an excellent teacher, more than lessons to add to their faith and practice, and rather to see Jesus to receive him as the fulfillment of covenant promise. The fulfillment of covenant promise. At one point here, the, the leaders or so, those in the crowd of, of Jewish ancestry were caught up in the rituals of their faith and practice and they weren't able to see what was unfolding right before their very eyes. Now don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with rituals. Rituals are prescribed actions that you do in such a prescribed fashion to remind you of something. But the rituals are not the way that we encounter God's promise. Paul's showing it's, it's by faith in the work of Jesus like we sang here this afternoon. This access to God, this justification, this sanctification isn't through rituals, but through faith. And what gets me amped out about this, if I can even put it that way, is that because of faith, and strictly because of faith, as we proclaim through song, that you are justified by the very confession of your faith, means that you've been made right with God. It means you have access to him. That means that you've been made pure, you've been set apart as holy. That means that you are saints. But the enemy of our souls is putting teaching out there to make you think, no, no, you're not a saint, you're a sinner. You're not actually sanctified. There's actually more work that you must do. But that's not the gospel. The gospel is Jesus has finished the work and through faith in him, you are sanctified, you are justified. Faith in Jesus is the only way. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Romans 5, 1 through 5 says this. Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have a peace with God. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, we have also obtained access through him by faith into his grace in which we stand and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, here's the part you may not be ready for, but we also boast in our afflictions because we know that affliction produces endurance, endurance produces proven character, and proven character produces hope. 
and this hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. So through your experience, through everything that you endure, you have received the comfort of God in your own life that gives you hope for every circumstance that you face. When you face the illness and the Lord has brought you through that, you have hope if you encounter any future illness or in that of your family. And the list goes on. This incredible access. And Paul's showing them, reminding the people on the Sabbath, it all comes by faith in Jesus. You know, here we see Paul was given this opportunity to share that hope. Paul was one who was once broken. What I mean by that, he was a prideful man. He was a religious man. He thought that there were all these things and these works that he must do in order to obtain further favor with God, with Yahweh. And yet when he came to encounter this intimate relationship with the Lord, and the Lord called him and, and transformed his life, that was in that, that he found his testimony, that in his brokenness he was renewed, he was restored, and he was empowered to go into the world to share the same hope that he received. But it doesn't end with Paul. It didn't end with Barnabas. It didn't end with the early fathers of the church. It continued on and on. Through the early church and through here to you today. The Lord wants to use you to reach into people's lives to see life transformation to the glory of God. 2 Corinthians 1.19 says this, that every spiritual blessing and promise of God is yes and amen in Christ. Every promise, the great ultimate promise of God is for salvation. And that means to set you free from the consequences of sin that is death. And so you can rest assured the moment that you leave this earth and you breathe your last breath that you will be with the Lord. But that also speaks of hope in the here and the now that you don't have to carry the baggage of that which weighs you down, of the sin that so easily, easily entangles you any longer. All you have to do is come to Jesus in faith and he will free you. The Sabbath is the opportunity where we remember these great promises. You know, in Genesis, we see, we encounter the origin of the Sabbath as this day of rest in Genesis 2, 2 to 3. It says that on the seventh day, he rested and he, and he set it apart as a holy day. And just for a few moments before we come to a time of testimony, the Hebrew word here for Sabbath is Shabbat, which occurs 111 times in the Old Testament. And it has its equivalent, see, of 67 times in the New Testament, which means rest or stopping to rest. And it signifies not just this physical rest, but also a spiritual renewal and acknowledgement of God's creative and manifestive presence in all of creation. And that includes you. 
In fact, scripture informs us that whoever has seen Jesus revealed within your life, that you've seen the Father and you can recognize his work. In fact, Jesus says in John 5, 19, I tell you, the son is not able to do anything on his own, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, the son likewise does these things. And further, when Jesus was questioned on the very purpose of the Sabbath, he said, the Sabbath was not made for man, was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. And so what I want us to walk away with here today is the opportunity of invitation, but also the important design of the Sabbath that's been made for us. By God's very design, it signifies a time set apart for rest, for spiritual renewal, a time to cease from our own ordinary work and activities and come to focus on our relationship with God. To spend time with him through worship, prayer, exhortation, and reflection. And think about it, by design, this Sabbath helps us foster this relationship of commitment, this alignment to say, Lord, whatever your will is for my life, that is what I desire for here and now. But for the people to take hold, even in Antioch, they needed to set aside their own works and to sit and rest in the work of Jesus. And in that time, people were renewed, people were transformed, they were refreshed by the very presence of the Lord. In Acts 3.19, we're told that when you repent and turn to him, your sins will be wiped out and seasons of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. And that very word refreshing means relief, rest, and rejuvenation. Rejuvenation. So think about on this very day when Paul took up the invitation to share on the very Sabbath, as he shared, relief and rest was encountered by the assembly. The Spirit of God was rejuvenating the people as they responded in faith and they're able to encounter the refreshing wave of the Spirit of God. But you have to be willing to come into alignment with the spirit of the Lord and what he's teaching you and what he wants to speak to you. And we see in this interaction, in this passage, that there were those who were not willing to take those steps. They were not willing to take this invitation to encounter God on a whole new level through Jesus Christ. But those who did, they were refreshed and a great number was added to their assembly. So I want to invite Ron Gregg to come and join me up here. And we're going to have a little conversation about a, a testimony. I'm going to invite you to grab that mic there, Ron. And here we see... Paul and, and Barnabas, right at the beginning of our passage, as I've already said, they accepted the invitation to, to come and share at the request of the leaders. 
Come on up here, Ron. We're going to get nice I and close. Yeah. <laughs> and the word rest, again, is something that happens on the Sabbath like today. And this opportunity, one time Ron and I were uh, sitting down having coffee and we were talking about the prompting and the leading of the Lord and, um, and he was sharing his testimony and sharing some experiences and really encouraged me and what he had to say and what he shared. And, and so I'm gonna let uh, Ron share some of those things, but just first so you know, Ron is one of our directors uh, of our church. So he's one of our spiritual leaders. Um, and uh, he has quite a history of being involved with Catch the Fire for over 25 years, um, tending in Toronto. And so we are, we are blessed and glad to have you part of our assembly right here in Waterford. And, and so Ron, you know, when you think about this Sabbath and, and being reminded of this rejuvenation, this, this rest that comes in trusting in God and the leading of his Holy Spirit, uh, how has that impacted you? How has that spoken to you? Do you want script? There you go. That one. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so, um, I could tell you stories all day long and probably into tomorrow, but uh, the one we talked about, there was a couple, but the one we talked about, um, <clears throat> in 1998, uh, I started my own trucking company. I had one truck, no customers, and I thought it was a really good idea. So um, by the year 2004, uh, we had 20 trucks, 30 some odd trailers, over 30 employees, and uh, we're doing uh, just north of $4 million a year. So um, I didn't sleep much, um, only because I didn't want to. I was in it to win it. I had energy back then. Um, so 2006 started, and uh, things started to go south. Um, the Canadian U.S. dollar, because we did all um, a cross-border trucking, um, they came pretty well even. So Americans weren't buying stuff from us because they didn't get a 30 cent uh, extra. And then the price of fuel just went right through the roof. And uh, it was a hanging on. The, the worst two years of my life, 2006 to 2008. And um, it was the fall of 2008 that uh, I went to work on a Saturday morning, and I was the only one there, and uh, a car came in, and uh, the guy rolled down his window, <clears throat> and he said, um, I need a check for $42,000, or I'm gonna sticker all this equipment. And I was looking for a way out. I just stayed in it till it killed me. Um, so I stood there kind of dumbfounded, and I thought, I looked him in the eye and I said, I don't think you brought enough stickers. And he said, no, 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 you, you need to get in the car and we need to talk this through. And uh, I said, buddy, you have no idea. You're my new best friend because you just put me out of business and it's the best thing could ever happen to me. But the, the weight that I carried away from that um, <clears throat> for the next, I don't know, year or so uh, was really heavy. It's the emotional part. It wasn't so much, you know, all the people you let down, you put all these people out of work. Could I have done things better? And the answer is always yes, um, but you don't think about it then. So <clears throat> carrying all this weight around, I went to work for uh, a company out of Toronto. And uh, they said, where do you want to go? And I said, as far away as you can get me. I just don't want to be here. <clears throat> 
So I was on my way to California, and I had a, a drop north of uh, Chicago. And um, I was in a truck stop in Elgin, Illinois. <clears throat> and before I left, I'd picked up this CD by uh, Sandy Patty, and I thought it was cheap. I didn't know what was on it. So I remember parking the truck, and it was cold. Man, it was below zero. And I plugged the CD in, and I climbed in a bunk. And I thought, uh, she just started singing about the love of God. And it just, I couldn't, I just, there's no words to describe it. The cab of my truck started to fill up with a presence. I don't know how else to describe it. You could cut it with a knife. It was that thick. And I just laid in the, in the bunk and I thought, if this is the rest of my life, I don't want to do it. I'll get out and I'll lay beside the truck until I'm gone. And the next thing I know, I'm in this, I don't know whether you call it a vision or whatever you want to call it, but um, I'm at a farm and I knew exactly where I was because I grew up on it. I, it everything um, I recognized. And uh, I was standing at the bottom of a chute that was going up into a truck like you would load cattle or pigs. And it was me that was being loaded. And we used to use these electronic prods if, you know, if they didn't want to go, and I was, one was being used on me because I didn't want to go either because I didn't know what was up there. And I got to the top, and there's two trailers to the right and to the left. And I hear this voice saying, do you want terror or would you like peace? And I thought, that's a crazy question to ask. I mean, it's a no-brainer. It's like, yeah, I'll take terror for the rest of my life, Alex, sure. So I thought, I, I give up. I just give up. And the next thing I know, I'm in the biggest firestorm spiritually in my life. It's like I, I can't even describe it. It was that intense. And I'm laying there in, in bed thinking, I don't know whether I should have gave up because I don't know whether I'm going to survive this. And then all I hear is this, it's like... I think it's like a judge's gavel being slammed down and everything stops. And the next thing I know, I'm about seven years old. And again, I know exactly where I am. I'm in the kitchen of the farmhouse that I grew up in. And I'm looking around like a little kid. And everything, it's, it's the same, but it's different. We didn't have inside plumbing when I was that age. You know, we had a hand pump. And my mother cooked on a wood stove, you know, made... Uh, and I could see all that stuff, and there was a chair by the back door. And that's where my dad would come in from. He worked a job, and then we had the farm. And he, he wasn't what you'd call a real family man. So my sister and I would run out to greet him, and by the time uh, we were done, we ran away because uh, it, it wasn't always that good, very seldom. So there, this chair is there, only it's bigger. And I'm standing there amazed, just gawping around at everything. And I hear this voice. It says, come on up. And I thought, that's not my dad. <laughs> so anyways, <clears throat> after a few promptings, I climbed up into the chair. And it's like I climbed right into my father's lap. And I feel his hand, what I assume was a hand, I didn't see it. But it went from the top of my head to my feet. And it was like electric. And every time it went over me, it just took something else away. Fear of failure, 
fear of man, fear of God. This is my father. This is the way it's supposed to be. The scripture says, fear of man brings a snare, but he who trusts in the Lord will be exalted. You know, in your, in your time of that need, you know, you were praying, you were calling the Lord back with your business, mm-hmm. and, and the Lord knew that, yeah. came through and brought uh, relief. You know, sometimes we don't anticipate the way the relief's going to come. Yeah. But when he speaks, and, and what really impressed, uh, impressed me in this uh, exchange that Ron was sharing was when he said, do you want chaos or peace? Terror, terror, that's even worse. Terror or peace. You know, Jesus says he's come to give us life and life to the full, but the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But I've come, you may have life and life to the full and in abundance. I just loved that picture. But what really impacted me was he said, I was presented with a choice, a choice. And here back to our passage, the people of God Great ancestry, great heritage in the Lord, and yet they turned from the choice before them to walk in the covenant promise revealed in Christ. Likewise, Ron had a choice. Which path would you choose? And you know, some choose terror. Some choose their own cisterns, their own wells that they want to dig and worship their own creation and their own ideology. But when you follow the path the Lord has for you, there's nothing like it. In that there's true rejuvenation, there is rest for your soul. And so on a time like today, this afternoon, it's the Sabbath, it's the day of rest for us to be reminded of the goodness of God, his his manifest presence that's always at work. And Ron is, you know, bearing his soul, so to speak. It it wasn't always hunky-dory going from a company of, I don't know, how how large financially was the company at one point? Four million a year. To then facing bankruptcy. That's a humbling experience. But what the enemy intends for evil, the Lord can do what? Turn it around for our good. He knows what we need. He even knows the vices in our life, maybe even the things that might become idols in our life. And I'm not saying the trucking company was an idol for you, Ron, (laughs) but he just said it was. (laughs) So the Lord steered him out. But again, that choice, terror, or peace, terror or peace. The, the scripture here says, turn to the Lord and repent that seasons of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. If you're exhausted, if you're running and burning the midnight oil, so to speak, and you are, you are simply exhausted, turn to the Lord. You know, you know the things that you're involved in, you know the circumstance and so the testimony here is when you, when you turn to the Lord and you see the option presented before you, we know his will is always to give you peace and to re- rejuvenate you from the inner being. But you have that choice to make. Yeah. It's, um, it's wonderful when someone takes the opportunity to take up the extended invitation to share. And so Paul and them, when they were in Antioch, they read, and obviously, for whatever reason, I believe they, they sensed the leading of the Holy Spirit. And they said, if you have any encouraging words for us, Paul, would you share? And so when I called Ron and I said, hey, would you be willing to share your story, a part of your testimony? We know that it'll encourage the people. Amen. Are you encouraged by his testimony? Yeah, amen. Yeah. 
And so Ron, um, he, as we were sharing, he comes from this background with, with Catch the Fire. And there was a, quite a season of encountering the manifest presence of God, mm-hmm. where um, going to different meetings, uh, events, where he saw the, the fivefold ministry in operation, uh, the gifts of the Spirit operating as well, healing, prophecy, words of knowledge. Uh, and so, Ron, could you encourage us a little bit in that, um, like how you shared with me on some of those experiences? Hmm. Like any of them? Any of them. The floor is yours. Oh, wow. That's a nice floor, too. <laughs> so um, I was telling Andrew, Pastor Andrew, that um, when I first started going to Catch the Fire, um, it was a, a while after this because, to be honest with you, once this whole thing happened, I thought, I don't need anybody else. I got my dad now. I don't need anybody else. So I didn't go to church for a long time. But then I started to, to go to Catch the Fire and uh, I had this prompting to, you know, it's maybe it's time you started tithing. And it's like, really? So I put some money in an envelope and I uh, pulled into the parking lot and I had it in my pocket and I took it out of my pocket and put it in the glove box. And it's like, I'm not sure yet. So I went inside and sat down and Steve Long, Steve and Sandra were the senior leaders then. He was just wandering around and he came over and he looked at me and he said, are you uh, working hard or are you hardly working? And I thought... To anybody else, I wouldn't mean anything, but to me, it was like, yeah, get your butt back out to the car, get your money, and bring it in. <laughs> so I started there, and uh, uh, I, I was then working for John Deere, driving for John Deere, and I moved up to a different run, was making twice as much money as I was, so I had this prompting to just whatever you need to survive on, keep that, and then give the rest away. Oh, okay. I literally would sit in church and just watch the demonic flee every time I handed it in. You know, when you take something serious, like the enemy can't stand against that. So it came Christmas time, and they had, um, uh, what do you call them when they, um, they have people that come, say, from school, and they stay for a season? Uh, yeah. Interns, thank you. So there was four of them, and I got to know them all pretty good. They were just young, young. And I had this uh, thought that, uh, you know, I was supposed to give each one of them so much money, a couple of hundred bucks. And, um, and I had it in my pocket in an envelope. And I went to church, and uh, I was flying pretty high then. And I remember in the washroom thinking, God, all you really desire is the tithe. That's what your word says. So I took it, the tithe out, and I kept the rest of it. When church was over, I went to Ikea and bought all the cabinets for a house I was renovating. And the, the cabinets all sat in the basement for over a year, but the voice went quiet and there wasn't as much joy. And I thought, I really messed up. So in conversations uh, with, uh, with God, I just said, so what do I do now? And he said, just start again. So I did, and it would be about January. And uh, so about March, April, May, I guess it was closer to May, I'm up in Minnesota switching trailers, and uh, so I'm having this conversation uh, with God as I'm out cranking dollies and putting airlines on, and and it's like, um, you know, there's been so much junk happening in my life. I think I should maybe get rebaptized. And uh, you know, while we're talking, um, 
maybe uh, if I could keep some more of that money, see this time I'm asking, I'm not just doing it because I'm thinking I'm the only one that's going to be able to judge what he's saying anyways. And uh, I said, but then I'll, I, if you got anything to say about it, that's good too. So climb in the truck and uh, do my regular thing. Uh, Friday night, I'm sitting in Michigan, truck stop, and I go in in the morning and uh, had become quite good friends because that's where I spent every Friday night. I left Monday at noon and I got home Saturday at noon. So, um, but anyways, uh, went in and I had a book with me instead of paperwork and she come over and filled my coffee cup up. She said, uh, well, that's really funny. You're usually in here doing paperwork and here's you got a book. What's that all about? And I said, well, it's a book on a guy uh, called Smith Wigglesworth. And uh, back when he was alive, he, uh, he, they say that he's raised over 20 people from, from de dead. And uh, he had a funny way of praying for people. I said if they, he would ask them where they hurt and they would tell him, and he'd punch them where it hurt and they'd get healed. So I put the book down on the table and I said, uh, so Sue, not this one. <laughs> um, do you have any pain in your body? And she stood, it seemed like for the longest time, and she looked at me and she said, no, I'm good, and turned around and walked away. So she came back over uh, a little bit later and uh, filled up my coffee cup, and she said, you know, Ron, my sister and I, our whole family, we, we raised our kids in church. Uh, we were there every Sunday. Every time the doors were open, we were there. We raised our kids in church. And she said, you know, my niece came to me just the other week and she said, Aunt Sue, I think I've got a lot of junk going on in my life and <clears throat> I really think I need to be baptized again. And what do you think? She said, you want to know what I told her? And I thought, maybe, yeah. Um, she said, I just told you, you don't need to get baptized again. Just get on with it. Just, you know, you, things are over. Just get on with it. I thought, oh, okay. So then she takes off, she comes back in a little bit, fills my coffee cup up again, slides my duffel bag over on the other side, sits down and said, uh, do you see that waitress over there? I said, yeah. She said, a couple of weeks ago, there was a neighbor of hers, a lady, she didn't have anybody to, to help her out, so she took a day off work. And she took her to the doctors, and she took her to the hospital to get some tests done, and then she took her to get some medications, so she lost the whole day's work. So she came to work, she got a scratch ticket and won $100. She said, Ron, you're never going to outgive God. I don't care how hard you try, you're never going to get outgive God. And she just kept saying it. Well, she got up and grabbed the coffee pot and walked away. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So I kind of took him up on that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's, um, that's a wonderful thing. Is this on? Yeah. The, um, responding to the... Um, you know, the prompting of the Lord to be faithful and to be obedient to, you know, step out even when it's uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. But you reached in and you met a very need of, of that lady, which you weren't even fully aware of mm -hmm. in her circumstance. Right. You know, the thing that I want to encourage us with here when we consider Ron's testimony is the times like today on the Sabbath, it's not designed to teach us the things that we are to not do, but rather to see the opportunities in which God desires to use us, how he's used the people of faith and how he's working through people uh, today 
in our own assembly. And when you're willing to step out to be generous as the Lord leads, you know, he's going he's gonna to empower you. He's going to give you the resource. And in 2 Corinthians 6, 9, I believe it is, when it uh, speaks of even giving, that when you give, you're to give generously as the Spirit leads. And that that's the very heart that God is looking for. And in the circumstance since those days, I think it's safe to say um, that you've never been in a place of, of want. No. He's provided for you. Yeah. He's been faithful yeah. and yeah. true. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. When I first started with John Deere, I was living in a, a motel because when I was working at the other place, I was staying in a truck. So I was living in a motel. It was just across the highway from John Deere, and it, it was... Uh, it was not nice. So it was the middle of winter, and when it snowed, you had to move the snow from the inside of the door so that you could open the door. That's how bad it was. Wow. And, uh, yeah. So I can remember <laughs> laying in that bed saying, I, everybody else is gone. Like, you, everybody says they're going to stick by you, and you can't blame them. And I would just say that if you've had people that have walked out on you, um, don't blame them. Don't dwell on it, because maybe God's setting you up, which he did to me, because I was laying there, and I said, everybody else is gone, but I trust you. And within two weeks, I was in a house of my own wow. in a purchase process, and I had no money. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Yeah. Yeah. He provided. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's encouraging, you know, because there's, there's times in, in which... Um, you know, you can kind of be at your wit's end. You don't know where the um, resource is going to come from. Yeah. And then those moments, all you can do is turn to the Lord. And as he says, you know, Daddy, I, yeah. I, I, I need you. I need your help. And he always shows up in the appointed time. Yeah, does. doesn't always happen in the way we want him to reveal his resource or the, exactly the timing that we want him to show up on the scene. But he's always on time. He's always on time. And and so, you know, I wanted to give Ron this opportunity to, to share and, and to encourage us to, as we looked at last week, to, to raise the bar, so to speak. He's given us a few challenges here. You know, when the Lord uh, uh, moves upon you to, to do it, the Lord's going to give you the resource to, uh, to minister to people. Yeah. He's also going to uh, stretch you a little bit. It might even be in the area of finances, Sometimes we can hold on to it so tightly, and I understand in today's day and age, uh, cost of living and stuff, um, but it can very easily also become an idol in our life. And where this spoke to me was Ron saying, there's some things that I could be focusing on with the cupboards and, and this and that, but he's just, he just said, you know what, that stuff's temporal. I, I, I want what you want, Lord. I want to be used by you. I want to see your, your kingdom grow. And, and, uh, and so he sowed into that. And when you sow into it, you can't outgive God. That's what Brian was saying. You can never outgive God. And there's been so many times where, uh, in my young Christian life, where um, because of circumstance, I haven't always made much, um, but I would remind my wife and she would encourage me, you know, the Lord owns everything. And he's called us to be faithful. And when you step out and you sow into the things that he's put on your heart, he will always provide. I remember one Sunday in 2012, I was at a church and things were tight. Okay, and I didn't want to pick up the phone and call mom and dad and say, hey, mom, dad, I need some money, okay, because I'm an adult and I want to, you know, make some provision for myself, obviously. And, um, but there were some things we wanted to sew into with um, sponsoring some children um, 
I can't remember what that program was called, but we wanted to sow into that. We really felt strongly to be generous in that way. And this gentleman came up to me after church, and he said, I came here today with a, a you know, what do you call it, um, a pack of cash. And he didn't know why he had this figure with him, this amount. But then when he knew, when he saw me step out, and he's thinking, okay, there's a little backstory here. He knows my circumstance. He's on the leadership team and such, so he knows the, you know, the, our history. And he knew in that moment that the Lord impressed on his heart to give us that cash, and it was to the exact figure amount in which we were seeding uh, for these children, to sponsor these children. And so when you're willing to take the, the grip off, so to speak, and sow into what the Lord wants to do, he's going to bless it. He's going to multiply it as Jesus did with the bread. He broke it. He blessed it. And it multiplied right before their very eyes. And time and time again, Ron has seen the blessing of God in his life, even in a place of outside of the financial side of things. He's prayed for people. And, and he shared last week where there was times where he would get a sensation uh, in, his, in, his, in his body, maybe it was in his hands. And maybe the Lord, uh, he, he found um, in discernment, the Lord wanted to uh, move upon people that maybe had issues of nerve condition or whatever that may be. Uh, and so the Lord has blessed him as he's continued to step out. Um, but it's not always comfortable, especially when it comes to giving of the finances you work so hard to receive, but also stepping into the area of the supernatural because you can't control it. It's not knowable. But 1 Corinthians tells us the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, uh, gives these gifts and distinguishes and distributes these gifts um, by his agency and not our own. And all that's required is, of us is to have faith and to step out. And so, Ron, um, you know, you've, you've seen the Lord move in, in so many ways. And as I'm looking at the time, um, is there any further words you want to encourage us with? I think um, what I've learned uh, at the 25 years um, is that we're all capable. Uh, if Jesus is alive in you, if you've invited him into your heart, you have the ability to do everything that he did and more. And I, I sit in awe of this young man because uh, we go to a director's meeting and everything's artificial intelligence. Got to have this. And you know, look what I can do with this. And it's like, man, we used to write everything down back in my day. I don't know what this is all about. <laughs> but we have the ability to do far more. Let me put it to you this way. When you walk into a room, who do you think goes with you? If you would think on that, you wouldn't be so afraid to step out that you're not by yourself. There's somebody there that probably wants to do what he's asking you to do far more than you do. So just step out. Yeah. Wow. Just be willing to step out. You know, as you go here today, think of that challenge. Just be willing to step out. Know who's with you, who goes before you. Not only do you encounter times of refreshing in the quiet time and on a day like today of the Sabbath, but every single day of the week, he is with you, bringing rejuvenation, and surely he's empowering you to reach out. Because he said in Acts 1.8 that I will send the Holy Spirit and you will receive power to witness. Power to witness. But you have to step out.
And so I, we, I, I'm encouraged by that, that challenge to step out. You know who goes before you and who's with you. And so, Ron, would you pray for us? And I'm going to invite John to, to, to come so we can have a response time and, and have official close um, if you need to go. But, yeah, Ron, if you could pray sure. for the assembly today. Yeah, so, Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your presence. Uh, we thank you for everything that you're doing in each and every one of our lives. And, Lord, I know from experience that everybody here has... Uh, has uh, something to say. You've done work in each and every one of our lives. And Lord, you're not done with us yet. So God, we yeah. just invite Thank you, you Jesus. as individuals and as a group, uh, Lord, to just come and invade our, our hearts, invade our minds, and just show us what it is you're doing and just give us uh, opportunities and lead us into places where we can, uh, we can step out and do your works. So, God, just thank you for today. Thank you for uh, this church. Thank yeah. you for uh, as the building this church, and thank you for the church, the people that are here. Yes, thank you, Lord. Bless each and every one of them. Thank and you, And bring Jesus. them uh, through whatever it is they might be going through and see them safely out the other side. Yeah. And we just ask it all in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Would you, would you stand with us and join us in the time of song? And as John prepares there, we want to remind you, Tuesday night, men's, it's our men's group meeting. It happens the last Tuesday of every month. Uh, we'll be picking up what we talked about here today. We'd love to have you. We're going to be meeting at my place Tuesday night at 7 p.m. But let's worship together as we close things out.
testimony spoken here, Jesus. The word has been brought toward us here, Jesus, that you have a plan and purpose for us, that we can breathe the word of truth, your word, King Jesus, to this, this earth, to each person here. As we go here, Heavenly Father, I pray for each person here, God, that you would instill in them that purpose, that God, they call you Lord and Savior, that God, you have a plan for their life, you have a plan for my life that we all are a member of this same body, that the body cannot function, that there's not the hand or the eye. Everyone has a purpose, Lord Jesus, and I thank you for that, that no one here is walking aimlessly and without purpose. God, I just pray for each person, they would know what that is, where to get involved, what is you having to do, Lord Jesus, because we know you have great things in store, great things in store for all of us here, Jesus. So I thank you for this day. I thank you for the, your presence. I thank you for the word and the testimony shared. I just pray a special blessing over each person here today. As they go out, Lord, may they be encouraged. May they be strengthened through your spirit to go out and be your hands and feet and proclaim the good news of you, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, for this day. Amen. Hallelujah, church. What a wonderful time here to be together, eh? Wonderful. We'll be having closing remarks here.